It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz. Today we are doing an episode that's a little bit different than normal. Um, yes, there's been plenty of Kansas news that's happened in the last couple of weeks since I last recorded, but I don't want to talk about that right now. Instead, I, you know, I saw all the stuff that happened last week um, in relation to the incident up in, up in Kenosha um, and the NBA reacting to that. And, you know, while, while it doesn't specifically relate to what the Jayhawks are doing right now, I definitely think that there needs to be a discussion kind of surrounding that and whether it should, uh, you know, there should be some spillover into the world of college football. To help me do that, I brought on um, two people that, that I think can, can kind of help shed some light uh, about how we should be thinking about this. I have I'll be sure uh, it's his first time on the podcast, but uh, he works over at Viva the Matadors. Um, he, he's joining us tonight. And then also Gerald Goodridge. Uh, from the Longhorn Pod over at, at Burn Orange Nation as well. Um, guys, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, Andy. Thanks for having me on the Rock Chalk Pod. Um, I'm much happier to do it now, to be on the pod now, than like when Tech and Kansas would be playing and they'd be like back and <laughs> forth between me and you. Um, and I'd much rather be on it now as opposed to like years ago when we sucked in basketball. So uh, glad to be on now. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm doing well as well. Um, I may say something weird. I have a five week old baby, so I'm not sleeping a ton currently. So if I say something that sounds, just give me the benefit of the doubt that, um, I am actually a smart person. I just, again, five week olds are, uh, they're jerks sometimes. I don't let you sleep. Well, see Gerald, the, the listeners, they've, I've heard you before. They don't, they, they don't know how dumb I am. So like, this is their, their, their first inclination. They're like, Oh my goodness. Oh gosh, yeah, no, Gerald. I know exactly how that is. I I've had four kids, and so I know. I remember those days when they he barely got any sleep because they didn't think they needed to sleep either. So, all right, guys. So to kind of jump into the topic because I mean this is really the only thing that I wanted to talk about tonight. Obviously, you know what happened up in in Kenosha uh, with Jacob Bryce being shot, and then the demonstrations and you know people coming in from all over the place. Um, with weapons of their own and two protesters being killed. 
Um, you know, there was there was a lot obviously that happened over this last week. Um, and you know, I, what I was I don't know that I, how surprised I actually was, although I didn't think it would necessarily go this far. But the biggest reaction to that in the sports world was the NBA players who are in the middle of the playoffs deciding that we are just not going to play tonight. Games got postponed. Um, and while they are back playing now, there has been obviously some big developments um, in terms of what's happened there. So my, my first question for you guys is how surprised were you that that was the reaction that the NBA had and how quickly a lot of the other sports decided to not play that evening as well? So I, I honestly wasn't too surprised that was the reaction from the NBA. Um, I think they've made it known even from, you know, before they went back in the bubble that this was a really important thing for them. And actually I was at that moment, I was thinking that they could, they, there was a good chance that the playoffs would just be canceled. Right. Um, now, if, I don't know if you read as far as what all happened in the decision to come back or anything like that, but um, the, the, you know, especially Milwaukee being the first team to protest, I think that was, that's that's a huge thing, right? Kenosha is only about 45 minutes from Milwaukee. That's in Milwaukee's market. That adversely affects them more than anybody else. And I think that if I'm an NBA player, all that I'm doing isn't working if this can still happen and people are still, you know, supporting this type of uh, supporting the police officers that are shooting Jacob Blake and supporting, you know, the I mean, the Kenosha, I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff from the Kenosha um police department or the the sergeant or whoever or whatever position he has but they obviously don't get it right and so it didn't really surprise me that the nba did it what did surprise me was every other league right i didn't expect baseball to do anything to be honest i didn't expect football to cancel practices that's i think what did surprise me basically the nhl's response is what i expected everybody else's response to be yeah and i think for for me i I've, I've said it on my social media and, and Texas fans come at me regularly and my follower account goes up and down on the daily, but like sports are a distraction from all the stuff that goes on in the world. And so um, as you know, w- the NBA is a, let's just be honest. It's a league that is predominantly black men playing uh, that sport. And so when we look at, um, you know, how do you, how do you put a distraction in front of people on a court that says black lives matter wearing a Jersey that says equality uh, when there are riots and protests happening that are basically saying that's not the current case. And, and I think uh, for them, I think it was smart to, to take a moment, take a pause and to remove the distraction for a, you know, it was a 48 hour period, but uh, the conversation started because of it. And that's, that's, that's really the point of a lot of this is just to get people talking and to confront people with uh, uncomfortable realities that maybe they're not ready to face, but, but they probably should. Yeah. I mean, and, and we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast, um, you know, that this is, I mean, this is a, an issue that needs to be addressed. And, and a lot of times, you know, sports doesn't necessarily seem like the most, uh, I guess, common sense place to address it, but it's, it, you know, given given the demographics of those who are the athletes, especially at the highest levels, like it makes it makes sense that this is an issue that would be extremely important to them. That it's you know something that they would be uniquely qualified to speak out about, especially as a group about you know all the things that kind of happens there. And so it definitely made sense to me that, like you guys said, that the NBA did something. I, I don't know that I was necessarily expecting them to just not play at all for several days. Um, but ultimately, like, I think the, the, the concessions that they won while in, you know, in the, in the, uh, I guess the, 
you know, the, the final say there, I don't know how much change that's actually going to bring about, but it's at least a step in the right direction. And, you know, I think it was a very common sense thing that they could do. Just for, for those of you guys who haven't been following, essentially one of the main concessions they got was that every single team-operated um, arena that the NBA has is now going to be designated as a polling site. And obviously there's a lot of work to, to go through to make sure that that actually is done, that they follow through with, um, you know, like the, the local elections offices and, and then things like that. But, you know, that is definitely a big step, um, a big thing that the NBA players were able to get out of the owners. And, and so, you know, I, I guess my, my next question for you, because one of the biggest things I think that I've seen online of people criticizing is, you know, why would you stop playing when you, basically your major platform is the actual games that you're playing. Um, I, I definitely do think that it kind of, you know, makes a statement to postpone games for a little bit. But when they were talking about just canceling the playoffs, you know, I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are is, you know, does that make as big of a statement um, as they possibly can make? Because once you cancel the playoffs and people have come to grips with the fact that, hey, the playoffs are over, do a lot of people really continue to think about everything that they're that they're fighting for, or do they do more by actually being on people's TV, um, you know, and making them kind of think about what they're doing? So, so I think what Gerald said was was a, like a good key, like removing that forty eight hour distraction, right? So now for forty eight hours, you don't have basketball to get to take away from like your view of everything that's going on, right? And right. so at first, whenever Kyrie and Dwight Howard and some of the other guys were saying they wanted to eliminate the distraction entirely and not have the NBA playoffs. I, I was on the other front side of it of saying, play the game, have the Black Lives Matter on the court, have, bring, I mean, I think a lot of the players have done a great job. Jalen Brown has been fantastic in like almost every press conference saying something, saying, you know, arrest Breonna Taylor's murder, saying like something to that effect, right? And, uh, but I do think that with this latest, um, situ- this latest uh, attempted murder is what I'm going to call it, this latest, latest attempt at murder is that I, I think a I, one thing that I was I thought was interesting. I, I saw this put on Twitter and I thought it was a, an interesting thing. It's something I kind of agree with. Is somebody brought up the idea of basically we're we're not going to play until this, right? And that's that's essentially what ended up happening with the owners. But basically, having it of we you y'all, you all have a week or a few days or whatever have you. We're not going to play a game until these demands are met. And once those demands are met, we'll go back to playing. I, per, I honestly 100% believe that if the owners didn't come back with something that was to LeBron and Chris Paul and and uh, the Players Association and everybody else's liking, they wouldn't have played, nor, nor should they have, in my opinion. Because I think this is now you get to the point of you now have you have a voice, you have some power, and you use that power for good. And I think that's what they did. But I do think that if they don't, if those needs aren't met, I mean, you, you had the leverage to, to say we're not going to play and you all are going to lose money. We won't. Yeah. And and I'm going to get branded probably a communist for, for what I'm about to say, but like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like super easy to seize the means of production when the means of production is like your body, right? Like it's super easy to say like, Hey, we're going on strike and we're not going to use our bodies to entertain the country if these things aren't met. And And, and I think you're right. Albie. I think that's, probably what happened and i think for the players and and i've talked about this before in in a couple of different avenues like the players are realizing how much power they have and you know we will we'll talk probably about in the college context in a little bit but like there is there's an immense power to say 
there are only 10 of us that can play on this basketball team. So if all 10 of us decide not to play, you don't have a product to put on the, on the court. And that's, that's massively powerful as these, uh, these men try to make social change. And I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I think it's important that the, especially young people see it, realizing the power that they have uh, and the power that they potentially will have moving forward. See, yeah. and actually, I am going to kind of skip a little bit ahead to the, to the college. I saw about that, Andy was uh, okay. so Kylan, Kylan Hill, I think showed yep. just how much like he honestly, he showed that they athletes have more power than even I thought. Right. So Kylan Hill, the Mississippi state running back, said that he will not play for Mississippi State until they remove the Confederate uh, part of their flag. And I know it was already being talked about in Mississippi, but I didn't, you know, whenever he said that, I, I made a joke in a, in a group chat of mine that he might as well transfer because that's just never going to happen in Mississippi. Sure enough, a week later, that little talked about thing was now on one of the states, like it was on their agenda and they voted. They, they haven't done it yet, but it's it's set to be removed. And that kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing he, he ended up getting a key to his hometown, like all this stuff happened because he's a running back from the number two school in the state, right? Like, like this is, he's not even the always yeah. running back, right? So like, <laughs> it's, uh, so it's, you know, like if, if I look at it and say, if Kylan Hill can, can promote change like that, right? Of that level, it would mean LeBron, Chris Paul, um, I, I think, I, I know Kevin Love's not in the bubble, but I know he's part of the Players Association, uh, Kyrie, like all these guys, that's, that's, they can create so much change. I mean, I even, I even talked a, a friend of mine even was talking about like them holding out until the people who tried to shoot uh, uh, Jacob Blake got arrested. And that, if it sounds kind of crazy to do, but again, I, I go back to Kylan Hill. If he can institute change like this, who knows? Right. Um, but uh, yeah, no, sorry about that, Andy, but I just want to say that no, I mean, no, these players do have a lot of power and I think they're enacting it. Well, cause, cause I think that's actually the perfect example of what, what actually was my, my comment from what Gerald said it was, was going to be that it's about these players identifying something that's realistic, because I think that's, a, that's just kind of where the, the most danger is with these kind of movements and where I'm, I'm struggling the most is because you obviously want them to do something significant, to ask for something significant, but it also has to be something that can realistically be done. So like the NBA players pushing for, arenas to become polling locations to try to help alleviate some of the you know the the inequities that there are in our election system that is a very very good thing for them to be pushing for and something that honestly they can you know they actually know that their owners can do like it's one of those things about like if if they said that they were going to hold out until i'm even having a hard time coming up with an example but like you know if they hit some some pie in the sky dream of what you know obviously is should be the ultimate goal but, but if it's too far away for someone to be able to do quickly, then it makes it very difficult for them to kind of push. And it makes it a lot easier, I think, for, for those that don't want them to succeed to push back and say, well, look, they're not being realistic. We can't change, you know, this huge systemic, um, you know, the, the entire system and get rid of systemic racism in one fell swoop just because there's some basketball games that aren't being played. Like identifying something very specific that they want to see done as a direct result of something that like this has happened is, is the way to move forward. And unfortunately it's going to take a lot more times of this than I think that we all want to see, but that is kind of the way that they can use that power and they just need to make sure. And of course, I don't know what the right answer is for what they're, for them to ask for, because like you said, Kylan Hill, you know, I wouldn't have thought that, that him saying that he was going to sit out until they changed the state flag was going to actually push that forward. And who knows how much of that was kind of already being talked about. And if that was just kind of the final nudge they needed to get it going, 
or if you know there was some, some wholesale change on people's part because of this. And so without knowing everything that's going on behind the scenes, like I think that these that these players, I agree, have a whole lot more power and not just inside the sports arenas, but you know, kind of in their surrounding area, um, can mobilize a lot of the fans that they have. As long as as long as they can, you know, I, I hate to because it makes it sound like I'm saying, you know, be really careful, don't use this power that you have unless you're absolutely positive that you can get the win with it. But um, you know, I, I do think that there is definitely something to be said about them identifying those key issues that they can go after and that they can actually see immediate positive change for and using their power in that direction, at least at this early stage, to build the momentum that they need to kind of get those broader changes that are needed starting to move along. Well, I'll, I'll say, I want to say two things to that. Because one, I think if you had told me five days ago that the Toyota Center was going to be a voting, uh, a polling place, I would have been like, that's absolutely insane, right? In, 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 a, in a country that's politicized voting rights. Like, like, oh no <laughs> yeah like that like i, I would have told you that was crazy and so i think uh but but you know as the guy who who covers university of texas like the players put out in, in a a list of of requests from the university that um i mean rankled some people i pissed some people off based on my opinions of, of what the players were asking for and they asked for some things that were fairly unrealistic and some of them happened and some of them didn't but i think um you know when you're like when the university makes $219 million off of, you know, mostly football and a little bit of basketball, I guess. Uh, and they compensate the football players like $12.7 million. Like you've got like 10 ish times the amount of cachet than people think you do. And so make a big request, tell them to change the school song, like see what happens because worst case scenario is there's somebody who hasn't heard that. Well, the eyes of Texas was first sung in blackface. Like there's a, even if the change doesn't happen, the conversation uh, is is still a good starting point because everything starts with a conversation. Right. I, I guess my point was more of a don't make it a single thing that has to happen that is potentially unrealistic, you know, to come back. Like if you have a list of, say, you know, 12 or 13 things that need to happen and, you know, you say you want all of them done before you're going to go ahead and play and, and they get, you know, six or seven of them because they're fairly straightforward things that they can actually do. And then you decide that that's you know enough, and that we're making the the, the positive mm -hmm. step forward. And if we don't continue to make those steps on the other issues, like I think that that is kind of the way that I think the most actually gets done. Of course, me not being on the ground with any of this stuff and not really being clued in, you know, may, maybe they have a completely different thought about. It. That's just me, my own personal opinion. But you know, it seems like that is the way that they're going to be able to kind of get something moving along, continue to utilize the power, and build that momentum is. Here's some things we can do now. Here's some things that are going to take some work that need to be done. And we can, you know, basically say that if, hey, if we stop working on these, we go right back to not playing anymore. Um, but that, is, that allows a lot more people to jump on board of what they're trying to do and really kind of build that momentum of everybody working towards getting it done instead of just players saying, hey, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to show up for you guys if you don't do all of these things right away. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I kind of think that's what, that's what it seems like. Um, the agreement that they had between the Players Association and the owners. It seemed like there were some things that they could do now, like the polling place being open, but I don't think that's it, right? I don't think that's the only thing right. that they had in their agreement. There's going to be more things that need to come, not just from the NBA owners. I know the NFL owners also talked to um, uh, uh, Eagles cornerback uh, New uh, Terrence Newman and, and, their, and that group as far as um, – I'm sorry, not Terrence Newman, Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins and that group 
as far as what they want to see from the NFL owners. And that was what a year ago. So um, I definitely think like, like uh, Gerald was saying, like a conversation needs to happen and not just from, you know, from uh, on the ground floor, like are you talking to your neighbor, but the players and the owners and owners realizing that they don't just own teams. They also are, you know, the CEO of an organization filled with black men. Right. And that is these black men in the, these black men in the NBA and the NFL and MLB, right. Even though there's may may not be as many black Americans, there's a lot of Hispanics in the MLB and they deal with a a similar uh, type of racism. A lot of, you know, Afro Latinos in the MLB, but they have the, a lot of those owners have to understand that that is your primary, the primary product that makes you money are these, you know, uh, black players. And so even though four years ago when Colin Kaepernick took his knee and every owner in the NFL tried as hard as they could to make sure he never saw the light of day. Now, guess what? He wasn't alone. And these things are still happening to black Americans all throughout the country. And it's important. It's important that they not now that they've had these conversations, it's important that they act on it. And I think uh, both um, the NBA, MBPA and the NF. I don't know NFLs, but the players association NFL. In the NFL. <laughs> is it the yeah. NFLPA? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, um, both. I think both of them holding their feet to the fire is important. Yeah, it's also. I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I think the NFL has been able to be a little bit more proactive because they have not. Well, I, I say proactive well, in that. I mean, yeah, they, <laughs> proactive five it, years it, later. In yeah. the, let let me rephrase in that. They haven't had any games that have come up because there haven't been any games on the schedule. So for like when this entire surge in the movement has has been made, they haven't had any games on the schedule. They've had some some practices and they've they've been able to kind of work behind the scenes a lot more negotiating with players. Um, you know, obviously not including that big blowout where they essentially got Roger Goodell to say exactly what they wanted to say. And you know, that that video I thought was a was the absolute perfect kind of PR move that they could do to really make sure that the NFL owners are paying attention to this. But, um, you know, there, there definitely seems to be some, some, at least some of the NFL owners that are taking this very seriously, that are trying to be as proactive as possible to work with players' concerns from this point moving forward, rather than waiting for something to happen and players to decide that the NFL is not doing enough. Um, obviously, you know, there's still going to be that continued pressure to continue to keep figuring out where they can push, where they can do things to continue to move this forward. But it's at least kind of the, the standard operating procedure now to be talking about these things in those organizations um, where, you know, even like a year ago, they were still, like you said, trying to avoid this topic completely. Well, see, but I, so what I'll say though about it is, is that I think it is just as is important for like the NBA, NFL, MLB, that's uh, leagues filled with minorities in it. Um, I look at I look at two two groups in particular. Right? I look at the NHL and then I look at NASCAR. Both groups really don't have any minorities. That's a white dom both two white dominated right. fields. I mean, NHL is getting more black people, but more black people means like every team has a black guy, maybe <laughs> right? Like that's that's not really much. And then NASCAR, we got Bubba Wallace. I don't know if there's anybody else, but I know Bubba Come Wallace. Come on with it. You know, and uh, but NASCAR is actually I've been shocked in the past six months what they've done towards, you know, uh, social injustice and, and letting it be known. Right. I, I, Bubba Wallace with the, with, the, with the news thing, he got pounded on it for it and he didn't even report it. He didn't report it. He's not the one that made it uh, a, a media thing. It was NASCAR that did it, as they should have. Right. Um, they protected one of their one of their drivers. And I think they I think the NASCAR's actually done more for one driver than NFL did in, in four or five years for 
their many, many players up until their backs were against the wall about, you know, almost a year ago. So I, um, so, but then I look at the NHL, right? And the NHL, while every league was, was postponing games because of the Jacob Blake shooting, NHL was like, no, we're still going to play. We, that doesn't affect us over here. Right. And I think and I look at those two leagues and I, and I though even I think it's important for people in general, just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean that it, you, you just turn a blind eye to it. It's still wrong. Right. And NASCAR, I think, has recognized that surprisingly. I, I look, I would have never guess that 2020 is wow. Right. But NHL, NHL, though, they're like, eh, it doesn't affect us. So we're not going to deal with it. I think that's also part of the problem. as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I haven't been. I haven't been silent about my praise for the way NASCAR has handled it. Cause I think, um, you know, before, like before the investigation of the Bubba Wallace thing, like the, the, every driver, like walking his car to the, to the blocks. Like it was just, I like, I teared up cause well, I'm a crier, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> but like the, you see, I think the and and this sounds terrible, but you see, you kind of see the leagues make these decisions based on their demographics. And I think the NBA, predominantly black league, with a largely black fan base, and I think that's why they've been um, more progressive. I think NASCAR is the outlier, and I think uh, because and this is going to sound probably jaded, but Bubba Wallace kind of became an over like like an overnight sensation when he went on CNN and talked about the Confederate flag, and so I think. Um, that was that moved the needle for them, and they made they made the right decision. Not to sound cynical, because I think they've done all the right things, but I think you know at some point it's it makes business sense. And, and I've said it I said it before that like as soon as social justice becomes a smart business decision, then people are going to take it more seriously. And, and when you hit people in their pocketbooks and their wallets, right. like they're going to start they're going to start paying attention. And so I think that's been. You know, to this point, why things have shifted. You see the public perception of the Black Lives Matter movement. You see the public perception of the the videos of police brutality. And so I think um, it, it moves the needle and it's a smarter financial decision. For the NFL, it was a smarter financial decision to ignore it and to blackball Colin Kaepernick. And now it's a smarter business decision for Roger Goodell to go on uh, on Manny Acho's video program and say, I wish I should, I wish I had listened to him. Well, that's, again, you can wish a lot of things, wish in one hand and spit in the other, see which one fits, fills up faster. Uh, so like make, make a decision now based upon those wishes. And uh, I, I, I kind of rambled there, but that's, that's, it's just, it's, 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 it's encouraging. And it's also frustrating. Cause like you could have done this four years ago. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think in terms of the the short-term business decision, it probably actually hurts the NFL more right now to be doing this just because of how many people are, you know, having real, real big issues, I think, with this. And, and, you know, that's obviously their problem. And long-term, it's definitely the much better thing for the NFL to take the, you know, the tack that they have. Um, But to kind of bring it back real quick, because the NASCAR thing really surprised me too, because I know a lot of people who are really into NASCAR and you know the demographics of their fans is is basically everybody that you would expect to have a problem with them doing exactly what they did um and it's it's not like they're going to get a, enough of a financial bump from new fans that are going to come and are actually going to stick um you know that are now giving them another thought because because nascar's always had the perception that you know it's a bunch of backwater hillbilly very conservative people that follow that sport and it turns off a lot of people um, you know, fairly, I think in, in a lot, in a lot of cases, but the new people, the, the people that are willing to now give them a chance because of this, I have a hard time seeing enough of them sticking around to replace long-term 
the people that they've alienated by making this decision that they made, which I, and again, I'm not saying this is, that's absolutely the right thing that they did, but financially, this might actually come back to hurt them. Like it may not be the financial home run that you would think um, when, you know, you take into account what their demographic base is, which, which I think that in and of itself kind of makes it even more of a profound statement of what they've actually done for, for Bubba Wallace and, you know, embracing this as much as they possibly can. Um, you know, at at the higher level of NASCAR, so it may end up being a bad move for them financially, but they made the right moral choice, and you know they should definitely be commended for that. But but bringing it back, you know, to the NFL, like I think that this could this could potentially, or this is the the best long term kind of growth kind of thing because there would be a lot of big problems, you know, if they were to just continue to ignore this. Um, and, and and I guess short term it's probably a good thing too because they avoid losing a lot of really really big advertisers right right now at this moment but the question then becomes you know if if they had lost the advertisers in the short term would they have come back in the long term and i'm just glad that we don't have to have that conversation about them staying the course and you know trying to say that they're going to have advertisers come back or things like that like that's not a conversation we need to really entertain too much because they have obviously started to move in the right direction and do what they should do instead of you know really kind of dealing with the, the racist views of a, of a large portion of their fan base. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big believer in when you do the right thing, it all eventually works out. Right. Like right. even if like, so I, I, like how often do we hear about leagues disbanding or just going off the deep end because they did the right thing. Usually it's the other way around. Right. Like, so I mean, even if they, I think they, even if they took, take the initial hit, like you said, eventually it gets recovered on the back on the uh, on the back end, right? Uh, also, not only that, but also if we're talking financials, like NASCAR kind of has hit their their peak, right? Like I mean, the, the fans that they have are always going to be the fans that they have. They they I think there was on a financial sense, it was the idea of we're really not going to get any new fans, and this at least gives now all of a sudden your base can open up a little bit more. I might actually watch a NASCAR race, right? Like I would have never done that before, but I'll think about it. Right. That's more than I can say that I would have done months ago. So, like, I think when you again, when you do the right thing, I think it always works out on the back end. I think NFL had a four year head start on this. And they I think a lot of people with Roger Goodell and some of the owners don't realize because they were they were in their minds are thinking if we support Kaepernick, we'll lose we'll lose fans, we'll lose big money fans and all these people. What they don't realize is there were two sides of the coin. Right. And they lost. In, a, a good amount of fans because they didn't support Kaepernick because they, in my opinion, they didn't do what was right. Right. They lost a good amount of their fan base because football is, let's face it. It's America's sport. Now, anyway, even, even if it wasn't back in the fifties or whatever, it's America's sport. Now everybody watches football and them, I think not supporting Kaepernick, they lost a lot of those football viewers because of their idea. And it's not, listen, I wasn't a big Kaepernick fan when he was playing, but I, I supported what he was doing. And the, just the whole, the way NFL treated that, which was a black ball, left a bad taste in my mouth, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths that I know that used to watch football. They don't necessarily watch it or care about it as much anymore. And the thing about at the time, though, the owners are thinking, well, the people that we care about, and you can interpret that how you will, are the ones that are going to be upset about this. And now four years later, they're on the wrong side of history. And so, yeah. again, I think if you do the right thing, it all works out. And, and I, think to, I think to your point of what you said about 
things working out in the end. We we don't we don't know the ripple this is going to have in, in 10 15 years, right? You, you know when when we're when we're in our our 50s or whatever, like the the best driver in NASCAR could be a young black kid who saw them pushing Bubba Wallace's car, right? Mm-hmm. So like you don't know how this is going to shake out. Um and I think specifically to the to the NFL, I think there is they I mean, you, you, at some point you've got to pick your poison when it comes to that, but I think they, they underestimated or maybe they, I don't know, they went, they went the way of, of blockbuster a little bit where it's like, I, I, they picked wrong as far as what the wave of the future was going to be. And I think nobody really foresaw what 2020 would be for, for the social justice um, aspects of sports. But I think it, in my mind, it seems it's, it's just asinine if you're, Again, if you're a league that is predominantly like African American men or black men, and you you kind of turn a blind eye to these things, it's like, and again, this is gonna this is gonna piss people off. But like Lou Holtz, who think you oh, know Lord, went and Jesus. talked about police brutality not being a real thing. A player of his was killed in a in a police involved shooting, like three years after he graduated. So like it, there are like it the proximity to to black people um, and not seeing them as people with real issues is, is a problem in sports in and of itself. And it's where like the, the stick to sports things co- come in, comes in and we can have a whole other conversation about the commodification of, of black culture and, and black bodies. That's again, uh, probably not the purview of this podcast. No, but guys, guys like, I will say, sorry, Andy, I will say guys like Lou Holtz and Dabo Sweeney and Mike Gundy and some of these coaches that coach young black men, Every day, yearly, you've had hundreds of black men come into your office that you went into their living rooms. And to me, for this not to be as pertinent of an issue for you as it is for your players, right? And, and now, I mean, now we're, we're seeing a lot of the coaches speak out, and that's, that's great. Matt Wells for Tech just, just penned a, a really nice uh, uh, tweet the other day as far as saying that he's, he's committed to fighting social injustice and this, that, and the other. But some of the coaches that you know, just a, a little bit ago, for you not to be just as pissed off as your black players, right? For this not to affect you the same way it affects your black players, it really has me questioning you as not as a person. For you, you know, because hundreds of black players come in, and you, it it should affect you just as much. Drew Brees, it should affect you. You shouldn't have to say, "Oh well, you know, this is I'm I I don't feel the same way as my black teammates that I've had since I was eight years old." It should. It should. I, I, I. It should affect you just as much because you've been. What have you been talking about with your black teammates for the last twenty years, right? Or your black players for the last twenty years, right? Like it should affect you just as much. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. Like when I go in and I'm I'm talking with my coworkers, right? Like if there's something that's bothering them so much that, like I I know about it, I understand what's going on there, and I can usually empathize with what with with what's happening to them, you know, and kind of doing what I can to, to help them either out of that situation or to deal with the situation or to see what we can do about making it so that that's not a problem for them anymore. I mean, and these are people that I spend a lot of time with every day, but probably, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I treat my coworkers as brothers as a lot of football, you know, team, a lot of sports teams, they say, you know, like we're, we're all a brotherhood here on on the same team. Like I, I feel like I'm not as close to my coworkers as a lot of, athletes say that they are to their teammates and it just it shocks me that, that people would not understand these issues if they 
are you know coming face to face with the people that are dealing with these issues so often in their lives and so you know like a, a, a guy like Drew Brees it, it absolutely floored me <laughs> the, the, the stuff that because my expectation was that he would he would already have known about this like you know yeah. that, that he heard about these these stories of all these things happening it would be maybe not necessarily ready to do something publicly about it but at least would understand what is going on and know what things he could and couldn't say to kind of show that he understands that and you know i, I think to kind of jump back um to to why the nfl is doing stuff here now you know it's it, you can be cynical and say that it's because the advertisers are now in the same you know the same location here like we have nationally now come to um to to start to have these conversations to realize that we need to make movement here and a lot of companies that would advertise with the nfl are now saying that hey we need to be more cognizant of this we need to actually do what we can to make positive change here and it's now you know if they're going to continue to advertise in these sports leagues the sports leagues have to show that they're on board with that as well i think you know, you can be super cynical and say that it's now going to be a PR hit for any company or any sports league that doesn't do this kind of stuff. Um, or maybe hopefully finally people have just realized that it's the right thing to do, that we should have been doing it a long time ago. And now everybody is finally on, on similar pages to start moving in that direction. All right, guys, I do want to go ahead and turn this over to the college uh, game real quick, because I want to talk about what the, what the players can do from here. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. All right. So obviously, we've, we've had the conversation about what's happened in the professional ranks. But the main reason I actually want to talk to you guys, because, uh, you know, this obviously is going to come close to home with all the teams that we cover, um, is, you know, we, we, we've seen the power that the professional players have. Um, do we do we think that the the college players are going to have a similar sort of power? Like, do we do we think it's likely that that maybe like a, a college team will all get together and decide that we're not going to play? Um, and if they decide to do that, is that going to have the same sort of impact as what the NBA teams did in the playoffs? I know we've talked about Kylan Hill as an example of an individual player, um, but but I, I also kind of wonder if in order for this to have the effect that it need, would need to have to you know, have national reverberations there. Do entire teams need to get together and do this? And do you think that either they can or that they would be willing to or that that's something that they should do? And so we're talking SEC country here, right? right. <laughs> we're talking SEC country here, right? Like, that's, that's really the question. Because um, I think that's where it gets most most volatile, right? Like, it's it's no secret uh, the SEC is the most uh, or this Southeast America is the most conservative. I guess is the best way to put it um, of in in the country. So it I do think the Colin Hill situation does add a nice wrinkle, right? Because I think my my answer today is much different than before that. Um, right. I do think that if the players as a team, I, I don't know if a Colin Hill situation could happen. Elsewhere, because like I said, they were already talking about removing the competitive plan. I think that just really pushed it in that direction. Um, but as I think, as a, if a team was willing to say, and I'm, I'm talking about like not just not UAB, but like a legit big team was willing to say, do a similar thing to what the athletes said, we're not going to play uh, the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State will not play the Egg Bowl this year unless this or unless this or something else. It could act. They could actually have just the same um, type of power as some of these professional athletes and yeah I, mean, and I think I, go ahead Gerald. 
I said, and I think I have a, uni- a unique perspective because you know, for for Texas, I'm kind of on the tail end of it because the players, again, at the start of the summer, all play, not just football players, but volleyball players, soccer players, like basketball players across the the university, basically said, we will go to practice and we will play, so you have to continue our scholarship, but we won't meet with boosters following the games. We won't do the extra stuff if mm. these things don't happen. And I think at the college level, I think that's the way to go about it because there's, there's in a lot of sports, there's another, you know, there's another three, four, five star kid behind you that are, that'll very willingly take your spot. So I think at the college level, I mean, I think Kylan Hill is a bit of an outlier again, like, like you said, Albie, because that was already in the works. And I think, um, you know, that, that got amplified really well, but I think when, like when the University of Texas, I mean, again, the players said, we'll, 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 we'll do the things we have. We're contractually obligated to do, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to host recruits. I'm not going to meet boosters. I'm going to hit you in the future. And buildings got their names changed and, and uh, funds were allocated and, and areas of the stadium were named after the first black player uh, in program history. And so I think, um, you know, there there is power in taking the power that you have i said it already that you know they they pay student athletes 12 million dollars to make 213 i think was the number in 2018 so like they have a massive massive power and then i think the the players of texas did it right where they said i'm not gonna i I won't jeopardize the 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 today but i'll hit you in the future like i will i will not get that i will not tell this five star this is the place to be if it's not really the place to be yeah and I, and I will say, I think one where that it, one place that it's it's it helps some of the athletes that we're talking about is that especially at Texas, Texas Tech, and Kansas, is there's three head coaches that are 100 percent behind their players in this aspect, right? I say I like Gerald knows I talk about Tom Herman quite a bit, but one place that I think he's really impressed me is that he is 100 percent behind his players when it comes to this. Matt Wells has been too since you know since this is is gone on and Les Miles has been recently so um and actually if you know Les Miles at LSU he was he was like that at LSU as well so I think that having coaches having your back in this instance right because these are the coaches that are talk to the boosters more than anybody talk to the AD administration anybody else more than anybody so the fact that these coaches have their players back more than anybody um I think also is is these you know gives the players one confidence to be able to do you know, or confidence to be able to go out and, and feel the way that they feel as strong as they feel and, and without feeling like they're going to get repercussions personally. Um, but that's, again, I think these three programs are a little bit different. We've heard some things coming out of the Pac-12 of players getting threatened if they join, you know, the, and this is not necessarily social justice, but when it come, came to COVID, you know, players getting threatened that if they join that the, that Pac-12 pack, then they're going to, you know, lose playing time and stuff like that. Um, so when you see that and then you see on the flip side of when your coach does have your back, I think that is also another important thing. Yeah, it's also a little weird, too, because I, I think, you know, I'm just going to be completely honest. Like, if any team in the SEC, the team got together and decided, like, I think that would make national news. Like, a lot of people would pay attention oh, yeah along with, say, Clemson or Oklahoma or Texas. Like, uh, to be honest, if Kansas decided tomorrow that they weren't going to play because of something that was going on like that, I I bet it would be a blip on ESPN. Like, they would make a big deal of it for probably about three hours. And then everyone would be like, but so what? Like, it doesn't really change the football landscape. Like, unless it was an Oklahoma game or a Texas game that they boycotted because of it, like, 
I doubt that most people would even notice. <laughs> but, but see, here's the thing, Andy, though. I will say ahead. this about that, though. It's a ripple effect, right? So, um, can't, right. I'm not, not to argue, but Candace is a little, a little low on the ripple. <laughs> you know, Northwestern tried to start a uh, player union like years ago, and, no, and because it's Northwestern, nobody really cared. Um, but, uh, uh, even, but I think even a, a mid-tier school like a Texas Tech or an Oklahoma State or, or Mississippi State, that, that could cause some, some, uh, a ripple effect, right? Because at the same time, even if it's not Oklahoma, not Texas, not Alabama, if Texas Tech does it, if the Texas Tech players are willing to do this, who, are, who went to high school with a bunch of these Texas Tech players? Texas players, Texas A&M players, um, Oklahoma players, right? And so they, if Texas Tech's doing it, all of a sudden you see Texas players having the the idea of we should do this too. Same thing happened in the NBA. I mean, we were talking about the professional league earlier. The Bucks did it, and then all of a sudden everybody else felt, okay, well, the Bucks are doing it. We also need to do something like similar to this. NBA did it. Oh, well, if the NBA is doing it, we also need to do something similar to this, like, like, like the MLB did. So I think the ripple effect of it, even if it's a lesser program, Maybe not Kansas, <laughs> but but a lesser program like a mid tier program, um, even like a Baylor or a TCU. I think that ripple effect could adversely happen, and then you get to the bigger programs like Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, let's say it happens at Vanderbilt, but because it happened at Vanderbilt, Tennessee players feel like they can do it. And because it happened at Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, you see what I'm saying so that ripple effect can definitely have a just as big of a of a cause, and, and all it takes is one. Well, and and you say you you say that, but I think. And again, I keep, I hate referring back to like what happened to Texas, but you know, it started with a couple of football players posting on Twitter that they didn't want to play if, if changes didn't happen. And then it crossed multiple sports. And so I think if a couple of Kansas football players say, well, they're in the dorms with the basketball players and it's only going to take one KU oh, basketball yeah. player to, to make people clinch up. And so, um, so it, it takes one, it takes one player on on the marquee team on campus and it just happened to be the football players at texas but again andrew jones who who is is a basketball player was one of the first players to to kind of tweet out the player statement when when it happened at texas and it all started because you know a junior cornerback decided that you know what i don't like the way things are going i don't like going to classes in a building named after a racist and so he tweeted something and 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 it sparked something campus-wide yeah i mean i I definitely think that if they were able to do something at a large scale, that it could be as impactful. But I also think that part of the problem here is that one, we don't know if the playoffs are actually happening this year. Like if, if the playoffs happen and one of the four teams in the playoffs decides that they're not going to play and they're willing to forfeit because of something, you know, like that could have the same reverberations, the same huge impact that the NBA playoffs getting postponed could, because I also, I also feel like whatever team they were supposed to be playing like it's going to it's going to have a really sour taste in their mouth if they win because of a forfeit because of social justice issues. Like I, I have to think that the players have enough respect for each other and you know for everything that's going on that they wouldn't just allow them to forfeit. They would do something similar to what yeah. um, you know to, to what happened in the NBA because because that that's how it started in the NBA. That the Bucks decided that they weren't playing and their opponent decided. I don't even remember who the opponent was, but their so opponent the, decided. The, the Magic. There's no need to. There's no need to remember who they were, but it was oh, okay. Magic. So. Yeah, no, that would be. <laughs> I'm also not an NBA guy. I follow it occasionally. I usually don't start paying attention to NBA until the until the the conference finals. So, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things. Like if if the Magic had said, okay, fine, you can forfeit, like that probably would have kept going. Like we would have heard about it, but theoretically, the game would still have gone on. It just would have been a forfeit. And I don't know that there would have been, you know, a whole bunch of other people or a whole bunch of other teams deciding to do the same sort of thing. But 
the 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 culture that was set up there and the, the the way that the players were able to stick together and decide that hey look we're not going to accept a forfeit here so it has to be postponed and, and see, but- nba over a barrel and if the college players do a similar sort of thing um the, the the problem that i have with that though is that i don't know that the college players are going to be able to exercise the power in the same way because the coach and the administration might decide that they're not willing to accept it that way because there are so many other people that they could potentially grab to throw up and, and play, you know, instead of players who decide they want to sit out. It's going to take a, an entire roster essentially to decide that they're all going to stand together and not play to keep a coach from who, you know, doesn't agree with it from going ahead and just playing a bunch of other people anyway. If, see, if Puka Williams oh, shows oh, up oh. on a Saturday and says, I don't want to play, I think Les Miles is like, well, maybe we, maybe we call this one off, right? Yeah. It depends on the player. But, but it, you know, it also makes me wonder, like, at a play, it, before Mike Gundy's situation blew up at, 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 at Oklahoma State over the summer here, like, if, if one of his players decided that they didn't want to play, I could see a guy like Mike Gundy saying, oh, well, we sat him down for whatever reason. And, yeah, the player would raise hell on – on uh, Twitter, you know, about why he actually was not playing that game. But see, but I, but I, I, I still get the really feeling that because if it's Chuba Hubbard, that's again that, that raises another red flag, right? It was Chuba Hubbard it, at this it, point in Oklahoma State. I don't think that great. I'm just afraid that there are a lot of places, especially you know SEC schools, where you know if they feel like they've got enough other players that can can get in there and can you know keep them going. So like, like, like Alabama. So, so basically, like, yeah. Well, so we're, so, but I, mean, I will say this though. But like, think of like think of the, the, the theoretical we're talking about though. Is like we're looking at saying 21, 22 year olds having to make the decision to potentially boycott something they've worked their whole lives for because right. the people that the powers that be won't do it, right? Like that's and I, I think at the root of it, that's what the, the the issue is. Is that we're we're asking a guy like and I'll go back to Kylan Hill because I still think what he did was incredible. Um, we're looking at a guy like Kylan Hill going into his senior year, stud running back out of Mississippi State, and saying, and him having as a 22-year-old saying, yeah, I am not going to play this year in the prime of my career, something I've worked my whole life to, and Mississippi State's going to have a decent team next year because of something that should have already been taken care of, right? And so, like, if – and it's it's sad that a situation may happen to where – you're right. I mean, who knows? This could if, – if a Jacob Blake shooting happens in, in January – or in, de- in December, I should say, or Jacob Blake type shooting happens in December, and Oklahoma is one of the final four teams in the playoffs. The fact that one of those teams, not even say Oklahoma, let's say Texas, because they're never there. Let's say that Texas ends up getting becoming one of the final four teams in the playoffs. That players that have worked their whole lives to this have to say, you know what, I don't want to go because my legislators or my the, the people that are supposed to protect me aren't willing to do that so i have to protect myself and i have to give up what i've worked my whole life to and that's and that in itself is what is you know a terrible thing that's going on yeah you know it's also kind of one of those things like i don't i don't know if if it hadn't happened if if, if the jacob Blake shooting hadn't happened in a place that was so close to milwaukee and the and the Bucks, you know, felt so affected by it that they decided they needed to sit out. Like if it had happened in, say, the middle of of Idaho or something like that, like do you? I don't know that there would have been enough of a push from one of the individual teams to decide to do that. That then got the ball rolling. Like yeah. I, I'm almost afraid of like things like this could happen, but not in a place that's personally significant to any of the individual players. Or well, see, that's the thing. 
things like this and, have happened in a bunch of other places that we don't. I mean, think of the like the the list of names that kind of go on and on and on. I mean, I think you're right. I think the fact that I think the Milwaukee thing was interesting because that legitimately. I mean, this is the best Bucks team since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played for them 50 years ago, right? And so like. This is the Bucks having a chance. If this happens near San Francisco two years ago when the Warriors winning championships every year, is it that big of a deal if they postpone? Oh no, we haven't. We don't get a, another Warriors championship. But, but the Bucks, this may be the this may be the only chance they get for the past fifty years, right? It's a much bigger deal, and that's a much bigger financial impact. So that's why I say a team like if if Texas is in the Final Four, if a school that's never never makes it, the fact that if they if they are in that situation, I do think it goes a lot more gravitas. You like that word? gravitas to the situation yeah, uh because of uh because in, in proximity is going to matter a lot to in, that, in that aspect it sucks but it is it is the case yeah i mean it's also kind of one of those things though like i think if if say jacob blake if that had happened say in the middle of idaho right and it got just as much national publicity because of the situation that we're in but without that connection to one of the communities that was actually in the playoffs like I don't, I don't know that there's enough of an impetus from any of the individual teams to kind of kick that going. And so I'm afraid, like, obviously I don't want it to happen anywhere, but it's almost kind of one of those things. If, if something like that's going to happen, you almost have to, and this is going to sound completely wrong, but like you're going to, you almost have to hope that it happens in a, in a community that is important enough to either a star player or one of the, you know, entire teams that's there so that people will do something about it to get it the attention that it deserves to try to keep pushing that action forward. And it's kind of like, I would love it if none, none of this ever happened again, but, you know, dealing with the reality that is going to happen um, just because we have not been able to make the systemic changes that we need to at this point. Again, I feel really horrible for even saying it, but you almost have to hope that it happens in a community that's important enough to one of the sports teams that can actually you know, make a demonstration that's big enough that people will pay attention. Um, I, I don't know quite how to feel about that or how to kind of unpack the implications of all of that. Um, but like, it feels like that's kind of the place that we're at is that in order for any meaningful change to happen, there has to be one of these events that happens often enough and close enough to, you know, our main entertainment sources in this time right now that people continue to push the conversation forward. And, and I don't want to end the episode on that. So one of you guys say something, please. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, well, I think, I think, I think it's a fair point. And I think, you know, it, it's, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm coming off like a cynic, but I think it, it, ha, it has to, it, if, it, if this is a thing that we're, we're saying is inevitably going to happen, I think any social movement, any social change that's been major has really just been because it got too expensive to ignore. Uh, when you look yeah. at the Revolutionary War, really the only reason why the U.S. came out, out on top is because Britain was tired of paying for the war. The Civil War got too expensive. The only reason the Civil Rights Act was signed into law is because the riots after MLK's assassination were too expensive. And so I think um, your 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 point is well made, Andy. I think that it's, it's going to have to be uh, something unignorable. I think it's why the George Floyd thing was, was what it was because like you kind of come off like a crazy person saying, yeah, it's justified for somebody to kneel on somebody's neck for eight minutes. Right. Like right. that you, it has to be unignorable. It has to be unimpeachable, uh, which is sad to say, uh, but like the current state of affairs, like it has to be, um, it has to be expensive and it has to be airtight. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and honestly, like, 
you know, with without all of the distractions of sports, <laughs> that got amplified a whole lot more than it would have originally. Yeah. And I think now that we are consciously looking for these incidents, that sports isn't going to be as much of a distraction, especially since sports is helping to amplify what's going on here. But it is kind of a fine line, I think, that everybody has to walk, um, you know, because that was kind of one of the things that, that one of the points that some of the basketball players had made before we even, like, Kyrie Irving, I believe, was one of the few that had said, like, we shouldn't be going back and playing at all because we shouldn't be distracting from the work that needs to be done. And I can kind of see his point because, you know, to be honest, a lot of people weren't talking about this. And, you know, this podcast here specifically, like, we didn't, there wasn't enough to keep it at the forefront. We had gone back to completely talking about sports. And as much as I had said last time that I didn't want to forget about this, I wanted to talk about it where it made sense, it became a lot easier without another one of these events happening for it to make sense or to not make sense to talk about it in that in that context. And so we have to make sure that the main lesson that we take from this hopefully is that, you know, it doesn't take another one of these for us to keep the conversation moving forward. Yeah, and I think that having I think one thing that is is important for for sports in general when it comes to protesting social injustices is not becoming white noise. And I think especially in the NBA it, I honestly, I think a lot of the imagery in the NBA had become white noise, right? Because a lot of that stuff, a lot of the stuff that they were, that the NBA allowed the players to do was so, it was restrictive. I mean, like the whole Jimmy Butler thing, he didn't want to have a name on the back of his jersey because he wanted to show that he was um, black, like he was no different than any other black man. And that wasn't allowed, right? Like certain things. And so eventually it just became white noise. So if I'm on the other end of the spectrum and I'm saying that I don't, I, I still, for whatever reason, don't believe any of it when somebody says black lives matter instead of thinking of the word i go straight to the organization for some weird reason or if if i just i don't don't want to hear it and what ends up happening is even when i watch the nba it became white noise so i think one thing that the kenosha shooting ended up doing was it ended up disrupting that white noise and i think that in sports in general even when you're protesting these injustices having these protests i think are good having a a cancellation of a practice that i think most universities did a few days ago after the jacob blake shooting i know tech did i'm pretty sure ut did and so uh having that disrupt the white noise right is i think is a good thing and i think that it's whenever these protests do happen or like like the um what what gerald was saying as far as the ut athletes and saying that we're going to play the game we're going to we're not going to affect us we're still going to get our scholarship but you're not going to get me to do this that and third it disrupts the white noise right and you the powers that be notice things like that. And I think that is, I think that's one of the final things I'll say as, as far as it is, is that it's important when you're protesting this social injustice, if you're going to play these games, if you're going to start have these sports, disrupt the white noise. I think it's important to bring it out that way you can have a forefront, but when it just becomes white noise, it's no different than not playing at all. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Just to give you guys a, Albie, I, I think you kind of summed up your thoughts pretty quick. But before we get out here, Gerald, was was there anything else you wanted to add? I I think um, I think the fact that we're having these conversations uh, is not it's not the ultimate point, but I think it's it's good that these conversations are finally happening because I think um, I'm, I'm my my whole thing throughout this has been has been discourse, not discord, and so I think that um, our ability to have these conversations in a way that. Um, is constructive is, is, is what is happening currently. And I think uh, it's, it's been, 
it's been good to see even even if things go off the rail sometimes because people get emotional because that's just what people do uh the the focus on let's try to find solutions let's try mm-hmm. to leverage uh the platforms we have for for positive social change um it's it's more than i would have i would have hoped for even even a year or so ago so i'm glad to see it yeah definitely i mean that's kind of one of the things it's like you know me not you know being a being a white man who grew up in the middle of kansas like i <laughs> i have not experienced all this stuff. And it's one of those things like I want to do everything I can to help, but there's it's hard to know what to do to help. But at the very least, these types of conversations, you know, trying to get the information out as much as possible, trying to do whatever we can to have constructive conversations to try to find solutions. You know, that's the bare minimum that anyone can do. So I I would I would definitely, you know, anyone who's who's listening to this, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, that you do what you can to help, you know, to to have the conversations, to educate yourself on what's going on about what there is in your local area that you can be doing to kind of help move this, this movement forward. Um, whether it's, you know, specific organizations or just, again, just facilitating ways or having conversations with your neighbors or, you know, anyone that you can kind of, kind of come in contact to make sure that we don't forget about this. So we don't allow these sorts of things to just fade back into the distance again, um, that we need to be constantly thinking about ways that we can improve the situation for everybody involved. And so, all right, that's going to go ahead and do it for tonight. Um, I'll be where where can people find your work online? Oh yeah, uh, online you can get me at vivathematadors.com, at vivathematadors on Twitter, uh, at Air Raid Podcast. That is uh Viva's main podcast right there. Um, yeah, that's I mean the main place you can find me. All right, and 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 Gerald for can can you remind people where we can find your work online as well? Absolutely. You can, you can follow my podcast on Twitter. We're at Longhorn pod. I'm still shocked that that was available four years ago. Uh, yeah. I write on burn orange nation and you can follow my personal Twitter at G H Goodridge. Yep. I, I understand that being shocked because I was shocked that the name of our podcast is available as well. So, um, but th- thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can search for rock chalk podcast there and subscribe to us there. Uh, you know, we do, we do have the ability now, now that we're on anchor, uh, for you guys to leave comments or messages or anything that you want, just go to uh, anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. Um, you can actually leave a voicemail there. Give us your thoughts. Uh, if you want, had any you know conversation about this topic, uh, I, would, I would definitely be glad to, to kind of engage with that as well or anything about the team as well. Um, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um, but that will do it for us tonight. I'll be and Gerald, thank you so much for joining me and we will catch you guys next time on the rock talk podcast. Thanks. Sports social podcast network. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.